probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Michelle Ashy. You can check me out on my Instagram at Michelle Ashy. <laughs> Michelle Ashy. How do you spell that? Uh, A-S-C-I. Boy, that's a fascinating <laughs> last name. It's Italian. Mm. <laughs> so um, today we're talking about minute eight of the thing. Minute eight begins with, you guessed it, a helicopter flying around. Whoa. <laughs> and a minute later ends with um, the crew kind of goofily running over to meet the dog that's running up to the camp. The cute doggo. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with that, actually. This is yet another minute where I feel really bad for this dog. Yeah, the poor little dog. <laughs> um, you will note that uh, the dog is not CGI, and therefore when that grenade explodes, that's really right, like, you know, 20 yards away from this poor dog. Yeah. So this dog is running, again, running through the snow, I mean, is he, a, is he a wolf or a husky? I don't think this is Jed. Jed is half wolf. I don't think this is him, so I think this is just a husky. So, yeah. I mean, he probably likes the cold, so that's a little likes better. Likes the cold. Don't know that he probably likes... <laughs> he doesn't likes like explosions. <laughs> helicopters flying overhead and, you know, fake grenades exploding right next to him. Yeah. So, you know, that was definitely the first thing I had noted is, uh, you know, he, uh, he runs by and those... The helicopter flies right over the top of him again, and then drops down a uh, a grenade right on top of him. And does are there any shots? Like, is he being shot at in this minute? No shots again fired in this minute. Only grenades. <laughs> yeah, they decide to up the ante a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Also, why do the scientists have grenades? Why does anybody question. have any weapons in Antarctica? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the, like, kind of logical criticisms you can aim at this whole movie is that, you know, this base is chock full of flamethrowers and rifles and guns. handguns <laughs> and uh, di- dynamite. I guess the, it's dynamite or thermite charges. I guess you could say that was for, you know, digging into the ice or something. But yeah, the Norwegians have like a like a sniper rifle or whatever, and then they've yeah. got a whole box of grenades. And like I was trying to think, like they're probably not hunting. Like, why do they need sniper rifles? It's are a... they going after penguins? Like, yeah. are, there's there's no bears in Antarctica, right? Polar bears, I guess. Are polar bears in Antarctica? Or are they only on the North Pole? I'm pretty sure polar bears are. Maybe you're right. Or maybe they're just hunting penguins. Who knows? Evil seals, maybe. Evil seals. That's definitely a possibility. <laughs> yeah, what if this movie had decided to use, instead of dogs, like penguins. Like a walrus or a the penguin. The thing penguin. <laughs> if this thing was chasing like a penguin across the ice. Yeah. I mean, it'd be better. I think it'd be easier to catch a penguin than a dog. Well, maybe that's why the thing went with the dog. Yeah. Penguins. Although, I suspect it'd be harder for some... Oh, maybe. Maybe people have more of an attachment to dogs, but I'd have a hard time killing a penguin. I don't know, would it be, here's a question, Michelle, would it be harder for you to kill a penguin or a dog? I don't know. What if they were I both? I love all of them. <laughs> what if they were both the thing? 
And then I would just become the thing because I would let them like lick me and smother me with their cuteness. Well, that's definitely true. I mean, <laughs> I mean penguins would take over the world way faster. I mean, there's no question that if <laughs> you were involved in this movie, then then the uh, you would be Clark and you would be assimilated by the thing instantly because you would be like sleeping with the dogs. I would definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's cats, no question. So we've established that Michelle's a goner in yeah. the thing, but. <laughs> Watch me. Watch me closely. <laughs> watch, watch, her, watch her close. <laughs> so, let's see. I have a couple notes for this man. I don't have a ton. But um, I guess when you see the guy uh, grabbing that grenade, once again, that is Larry Franco, because this is uh, Larry Franco, the producer. Um, this is before they had cast most of the movie again, so they were shooting this very early. So that's his gloved hand grabbing that grenade and all that. Um, so he shows up a whole bunch in the movie. We'll, we'll definitely see him again. I, I have noted that I think the this is one of the first times when you really get to see how good the sound editing is in the movie. The cutting and stuff back and forth from the helicopter, you really get a sense of perspective in a really interesting way. I think it's very well done, just the way that's put together. And that concludes the part of the show that is interesting to nobody <laughs> but me. I, I tried really hard to look up some inf- information about the, the tractor, the bombardier, um, but I found literally nothing that was interesting at all well what is it is it a plow i guess it's like is an all-purpose vehicle to go across antarctica there's somebody <laughs> listening to this podcast who's like you, you know, fools <laughs> yeah who owns the, who owns one and it like yeah. uses it every day to go to work and he's like what are they talking about we're in georgia it rarely snows <laughs> yeah i mean we're ta- we live in a place where like you know four inches of snow shut down the shut down the state just a couple of years yeah. ago so we don't know very much about uh about snow but we do know a lot about cabin fever when that does happen <laughs> it's true it's true it gives you a good opportunity to build some legos or be assimilated by the thing yeah i had i had noted that in a lot of these shots i think you get a really good sense of how kind of disorienting the snow is it's kind of interesting, like, when you see the helicopter flying and, and he's about to land, like, you really can't tell whether he's, like, 50 feet up or, like, one foot above the ground. It's just, like, pure white. Same with when the dog is kind of running through that, like, kind of plowed area. Like, it's interesting. The snow really just looks like almost like a white, abstract, kind of minimalist thing. Like, it's just this bare white, no shadows. So, you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure in real life it's just as disorienting. It's probably why it's pretty difficult to be a pilot. Um, and why they seem to be missing the dog a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's one of the things. I mean, we'll talk about those uh, those crazy glasses that the Norwegian wears, <laughs> but those are to help um, prevent snow blindness too, which is like you know something else happens. I guess when everything around you is just pure white and bright and, like that. Yeah, and I guess you don't really realize just how close the helicopter lands and how close the dog is in this scene to the base camp. Yeah, it's definitely kind of cool looking the way it it establishes a really interesting kind of look at the environment i also like how all this commotion is going on outside like there's grenades and explosions and gunshots and there's still only like half the men decided to come strolling out to see what was happening except gary who i really feel like he's a sheriff of these parts (laughs) he just has that like older like watchful like he's in his perfect uniform I don't know. I like Gary a little bit. <laughs> Gary's a really kind of weird, interesting character in this movie. We'll um we'll we'll talk about him definitely, you know, later this week a little more, but 
Yeah, the way he looks out there is definitely, he's got kind of a different look. The other guys are all just kind of like confused and like, like what's happening? Well, they're almost <laughs> like we talked about, they're almost kind of excited, like, hey, something's going on. Like, this is, you know, better than the usual. Well, no, yeah, nothing that happens think here. They would be way more excited, and they're definitely not. Maybe it's kind of like Antarctic Mirage. Like, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't, they don't know if it's real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty weird. Like, I, and I guess actually that's something I hadn't thought about is, do you think when people saw this movie the first time and they're at this point in the movie and we're eight minutes into the movie and so far we've seen a UFO crash <laughs> and we've seen this helicopter shoot at and throw grenades at a dog running around yeah. in the snow. Like, do you think people were, like, sympathizing with the dog? Or were they just, I like... I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not a normal person. Yeah. But, what? Uh, you know, it is kind of weird. I mean, we know it's, like, this mysterious thing. Like, obviously, these guys, there's either a very good reason why they're shooting this dog. Like, maybe it has some kind of disease or, or you know, I don't know. Or, or they're just to- totally insane, which is obviously what the people at the outpost think. Well, yeah, I think the first time I saw it, I kind of thought maybe they were just hunting the dog. Well, not like, I don't know. Like for sport? Yeah, <laughs> sport hunting. Like, <laughs> they were just so bored, they were hunting a dog. <laughs> so this is just just like the chess computer. This is what the Norwegians do when they're really bored. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have any idea how far the base camps are from one another? Because I've also wondered, like, how long, because... How long have they been following this dog? Because I'm not going to include the remake. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> well, you know, even if we did, you know, that gives us an idea. Well, and, and based on real life geography, we know where the Norwegian kind of plot of land is. I have no idea where this base is supposed to be. I don't think they ever, yeah, they don't really make it clear where this base is. So there's no way to know how far apart they are, I guess, unless, unless there's something I don't know about. Because they still have a lot of grenades, and they still have fuel, so it makes you wonder just how long have they been hunting this dog. Yeah, it is pretty It is pretty weird. But, I mean, I guess they fly out to the, the Norwegian base in, you know, less That's than a day, true. too. So maybe but we don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, true. So we don't know where these guys came from or what the hell they're doing. It's, uh, you know... We t- we talked about last week. It's a very kind of mysterious and unsettling way to start a movie with just these guys hunting, you know, this what looks like a very friendly, nice dog that's getting kind of tortured by these by these guys in this helicopter. And I like in this scene, there's still no music. Yeah, it's all just there's like, no like build up, no crazy sounds to like make it more dramatic. I guess. Yeah, it's very natural. It's really all just built out of the cinematography and the editing, which is pretty cool. It, but it definitely kind of builds this weird kind of curiosity and tension with, you know, what's going on. Um, definitely with that shot of Gary, the way it kind of moves in and looks at him as he's looking out the window, definitely kind of... He's us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it establishes just kind of a sense of, you know, foreboding, like, what's going to happen with these guys. Yeah, because at um, this point, they're all just confused. like Yeah, confused and... and seemingly not alarmed considering these guys are like throwing grenades out of a helicopter yeah i mean they see this dog and they're like just running up like hey guys it's a dog <laughs> like you know why like homer simpson like looks out the window and watches a dog with a ham or whatever yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah it is kind of funny their re- their reaction i guess so i guess this might be a good point to bring up you know what do you think about john carpenter's movies in general are you a fan of of john carpenter yes <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah. What um what are what are like what do you think are your favorite and least favorite John Carpenter movies? This is probably my favorite 
I think it just speaks to me on a dog level that on no other level. ones. <laughs> Glad I had you on in the first first half hour where there are dogs. I definitely love Halloween. Yeah. And definitely Big Trouble in Little China. I kind of wish Kurt Russell was in Halloween. That would make those three stand out more. Uh, Escape from New York, but probably not L.A. I like... I can appreciate L.A. on some level, LA's but... L.A. is pretty goofy. I don't know. He's, like, surfing <laughs> through L.A. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty... Outside of Pam Greer, that was really the only positive thing I remember really liking about the movie. Yeah. Um, the thought... The fog. The fog. The fog. I really want to see the fog. <laughs> the fog. Those are probably my top. What about you? Well, I've, t- I've talked about this a little bit, but yeah, the thing is definitely my favorite. But I also really like uh, Prince of Darkness is probably my second favorite. I think that's a super underrated movie. That's a movie that's really scary and combines a lot of different kind of, you know, like religious horror and kind of science fiction horror and zombies and bugs. Like it's got all kinds of horror elements. And it's just a really, really kind of that movie does the ensemble thing that in a way that the thing I think was initially going to be where it really doesn't follow one character. It's just about this group and it's it's just that movie's really scary to me. But I also really like They Live. I love Halloween. Oh, yeah, um, They Live. <laughs> yeah, They Live is pretty, pretty freaking awesome. But, uh, yeah, the only... I think I've only maybe seen one or two of his movies that I didn't really like. Village of the Damned did not really grab me at all. And uh, Ghost of Mars, although I hardly remember it. I think I saw it, you know, from Blockbuster probably 15 years ago. There were just so many Mars movies that year. It's yeah. It's hard to keep track of them. It's a weird them. time. <laughs> Yeah, so that's maybe one to revisit. There's still a few I, I have not seen. You know, just last year, I, even though I, I, you know, claimed to be a big Carpenter fan, um, I didn't see Big Trouble in Little China until last year, and uh, I saw Dark Star for the first time last year, um, which I really enjoyed that as well. I, I don't think you were, like, a big fan of Dark Star. I can appreciate it, <laughs> but I don't really remember too much. I feel like I was in a weird mood when I saw it, and we saw it in a tiny room we saw at it a at convention yeah. in, a, in one of their little screening rooms this is basically just like the tiniest panel room that they have and they just have a bunch of chairs crammed in there for people yeah. to watch and there's like a flickering light so i was just too distracted for that movie <laughs> yeah enough said enough said and then in the mouth of madness isn't that another like paranoia film yeah that one that one goes along with the um that that prince of darkness and this are part of his whole like apocalypse trilogy and in the mouth of madness is the one where the apocalypse does happen. So the thing, it maybe happens, and Prince of Darkness, it does not happen. And in the Mouth of Madness, the world ends. That's a really cool movie that's like, it's, it's Sam Neill, which is awesome, and it's very like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and, you know, a lot of questioning reality and stuff. I like that movie a lot, too. That's kind of a cool one. And uh, another thing, we uh, we both, I mentioned this a uh, little bit last week, but you were with me at that show in New York when we got to see John Carpenter live. Yeah. What do you remember about that? His dancing. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a common theme here. He has very good, like, dad dance moves. Maybe grandpa level now. <laughs> He's getting up there. How old is he? <laughs> oh, man, I, w- I, sh- I should probably know this. He's definitely in his 80s, I'm pretty yeah. sure. But I really enjoyed it. And the best part was when he came over the speaker and said, horror will live forever, ever, ever. Yep, that's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what I brought up last week because it was super strange. I it will never so forget bizarre. that. I'll, I still remember trying to explain to my uh, my friend at work 
how simultaneously cool and funny and bizarre the whole concert well, was. Well, he wore glasses the whole time too, like dark sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a it was a once in a lifetime experience. Uh, I hope I get to see him again. I hope he keeps doing music and stuff. I think it's a it's a cool career move for him and he obviously is he enjoys it a lot and I think he's very good at it. So Definitely. I hope he sticks with that. Um as much as I'd like to see a new John Carpenter movie, I love the music. I wonder if he'll ever score a different movie. That's a great question. That would be really interesting for him to score somebody else's movie, but I have a feeling that would be hard for him to do. Probably. Um, I, it, from all accounts, it seems like it's it was even, you know, the thing was like the first big budget movie that he did, really. And even then, with like with a lot of money available and all that and a huge crew and a bunch of producers to help him out and stuff, he still was like really hesitant to not write the screenplay himself and not score it himself. Um, so I have a feeling it'd be hard for him to do that for somebody else. It seems like he takes it very kind of personally, I guess. Definitely. But I think that will probably wrap us up for minute number eight. Uh, anything else you wanted to, um, to mention? Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, just another one. Uh, we're almost at the end of the, the what seems like a long period of helicopters flying yeah. around. Helicopters, um, grenades, explosions. Dogs, yeah. So <laughs> I think we'll finally, um, the helicopter lands tomorrow, so we'll finally yeah. get to move on to, to some other stuff. Minute number nine. <laughs> so um, that's it for this minute. So make sure to check out Michelle on Instagram at Michelle Ashy. Check our podcast out at The Thing Minute or on Facebook at The Thing Minute. Um, and also visit thethingminute.com. Uh, make sure to rate and review and subscribe in iTunes so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minute. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thethingminute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. Harper.